that's so interesting. Ooh, that's interesting. Well, that is very interesting. Please tell me more. Very interesting. Marty, that was very interesting. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to That's So Interesting, the podcast that discusses what we think are objectively interesting things. I'm Graham, and alongside me are Brandon and Brian, as always. Fellas, how are you doing today? Fantastic. Whoop, whoop. We are doing great tonight. Um, it is a beautiful, brisk, what is it tonight, a Tuesday evening here in Ontario, and I am loving fall weather, so we couldn't be yeah, better. Yeah, it's also October, just for everyone's context out there. <laughs> um, and speaking of October, actually, as we record this, it's October 16th, which is uh, legalized weed eve in Canada. Yes, so as of, smoke up. <laughs> that's exactly right, Brad. As of tomorrow, Canadians <laughs> will have I don't know, some sort of opportunity to buy weed. It's sort of I think unclear in terms of exactly how and when and how much you can get, but only online, only online. You can there buy. you go. So in some capacity, what are you talking about? there, a lot of the stores aren't stocked yet. So today we're going to break down. Sorry. In, in Toronto or in Ontario, my apologies in okay. Ontario, but either though, either way, you know, we're going to discuss the impacts of weed, uh, being legalized in a country and, our thoughts, opinions, and some other random stories as well. Um, I'm so excited. Yeah, so what, what are you excited So excited. About, For our discussion, I okay. think <laughs> we all bring different lens. So, like, I'm just going to sit back and let somebody else lead this one. You don't even smoke, though. Like, why are you so excited? Because I think there has been too many too much negativity around a plant like smoking a plant um the effects are if not better and less detrimental to society than drinking alcohol from a public nuisance perspective people are going to jail for possession of a flower that nine out of ten times is getting you calm cool and collected and the government has created this propaganda around it being a gateway drug and you're going to be a crackhead if you smoke weed. <laughs> like, that's not a thing. It's not a thing. If you're going to smoke crack, you're going to smoke crack. Like, it's not because you smoked weed the first time. Um, I'm, I'm happy because I think it's a step forward in the right direction of um, taking a serious look at how we manage prohibition as a society, especially in North America. So it's cool. Yeah. And like, Brendan, you say, you're saying Brian doesn't smoke. I don't smoke. Do you, do you smoke? Do any... <laughs> no, I don't think any of us smoke. I don't think any of us are going to start smoking. I could be wrong, but I don't see Boys, either of you two. Blaze up every day. <laughs> okay. Well, I love following the law. And um, now that it's legal, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> no, but anyway, that just gives uh, everyone listening out there the, the content uh, or the context and um, scope for, for how we're addressing this. But super professional, and, super experienced. For Oprah and, and honesty's sake, I have smoked, but I'm not, I don't wake and bake. I don't smoke every day. I don't smoke like that's for me personally. Yeah. <laughs> maybe okay. now 
So for the purposes of our conversation today, you are the token pothead then. Well, compared to you two, I believe so. <laughs> Dude, he's wearing his flip-flops outside in October. Of course, he's the token pothead. <laughs> um, <laughs> They're my winter tires. Oh, Leave me alone. Let's okay. get into this. All right, all right. Um, so, okay. So here's... Sorry, Graham. I'm just going to... It's fine. Here's the biggest thing I have against this whole weed thing. If, <laughs> okay, Dad. Okay, it... If we can deal with the smell, like, I can get on board, right? Like, okay. smoking I tolerate because really, unless you're standing within two feet of somebody, like, it doesn't really affect you that much. Mm-hmm. Like, you smoking isn't going to affect my life. Marijuana and weed, on the other hand, is, like, complete other end of the scale. Like, Dang. somebody could be smoking a joint indoors, five floors up. A block away and i could be standing on the street corner and a light breeze is going against me and i get a huge whip i, I don't know Brent. are you I a think police you're a police are dog, you a police yeah. dog? Like, oh my goodness. <laughs> what was that so like that's Meanwhile, my biggest thing like, if, if we can if we can like now that it's legal universities can start doing a whole lot more testing and companies can start doing a whole lot more testing because now we're dealing with the legal substance and there isn't as much red tape in terms of doing uh, tests and experiments. So if we can genetically modify marijuana to not have such a potent smell, then I can get on board. Uh, second thing is I hate when people compare, oh, like marijuana is not as bad as alcohol. So therefore, if alcohol is legal, marijuana is legal. Well, like that's assuming like you're making that argument, assuming that like people are OK with alcohol being legal. And I don't think that's the case for a lot of people. No, but when right. I say when I say that it's it's not as bad as alcohol, it's not referring to the health effects. It's not a it's not referring to any of that. It's referring to the way that people behave when they consume um, alcohol versus consuming cannabis. I can't tell you. I can't count on my own fingers and toes the amount of fights that I've seen that have happened because people drink too much or the amount of injuries that happen from people drinking too much. People who smoke cannabis, unless like they're dumb and they get in the car and they drive and they cause an accident, nine times out of ten, they're chilling at home, like on their couch with a bag of chips, like stereotypical, regardless if you're an actual stoner or you're smoking on a Friday night, like you're just there relaxing. No one does it to get fired up or to get into like a fight or to do any of that. Right. The culture around it is just different. Right. And, and, and people have been doing that and people will keep doing that, I think, for years on end. But I don't think that's where the problems become. I think the problem becomes is that people like being deviant. There's a part of the human body or part of the human mind that wants to do deviant things. And at the time, you know, as of today, marijuana is still a deviant activity. I think as soon as it's legal, all those people who want to be deviant are just going to find another outlet of being deviant. And it's going to really? push to... I yeah I, I this is your argument is why it should stay not legal well not that it should stay not legal but I think we're looking at it too much of an individual case like the issue is more systemic I think I see where you're like, coming from I think it isn't quite that extreme at least just from my perspective like the way I see it is 
there are a lot of people that like like weed like you know like they just have a lot of fun with it and it's exactly what they're looking for so whether it was you know deviant or not you know the the same thing could be thought of with alcohol you know do you drink alcohol because it's cool and edgy or offside maybe but there are a lot of people who don't but what is so I guess my question to that, Brandon, is what deviant behavior are you predicting that people are going to get into with cannabis now becoming legal? Oh, I like I have no idea. All I'm saying is that people who want to be deviant were looking to marijuana, and now that marijuana is not a deviant activity, like <laughs> I don't, I don't, I I don't buy it. I, I got to be honest. I don't think anybody who's looking to like break the law is going and smoking up a joint and being like, ha ha, I did it. Like I broke the law. I'm such a rebel. Really? I think, I think that's, I think that's how a lot of things start. That's how I feel. No. Because people are looking for a way to rebel. So <laughs> I don't wait. It's traffic. Yeah, that's how I feel about jaywalking. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm not saying that's everybody. But I'm saying I think there's a subset of people who, like, this doesn't solve the problem of, like, oh, now it's legal. Like, now we're going to have a bunch of people who aren't doing bad things. No, but we're also not going to have hundreds of thousands of people being having a criminal criminal record and potentially their lives ruined for X amount of years because they had a couple grams of cannabis on them. Yeah, but then, like... I don't know. That's my other thing is like, why can't you just follow the law? Because like you said, you need to be deviant and you need to break the law. Right. But like, my question (laughs) is why, like, why, why, why have we created the society where people feel the need to be deviant? I don't know. I, I honestly, I don't really have that. I think we're going down a larger philosophical (laughs) path that needs to be explored in some other context because otherwise (laughs) we're just gonna keep our heads in the freaking clouds guys well here's okay here's quite literally because i'll tie back you get me here's puff puff i ain't passing go ahead brandon i understand (laughs) that economically legalization is probably a good thing right yeah um, the amount of money for, that like communities and societies and as a country we will save on just policing and incarceration alone is probably unfathomable. And then the money that is going to be generated through tax revenue is going to be incredible. I agree. Right? But I just I don't think we've as a society, thought out all the negative outcomes that comes with making this a widespread drug. Like I just, but for for anything, will you be able to think out all of the negative outcomes of the decision that you're making? Right. Yeah, I think at some yeah, point, probably, probably not, probably not. And like, yeah, maybe I'm being contradictory or contradictory. We aren't, we aren't my the first last week when I said con- embrace like, change. I, like, yeah, you know, I should just embrace this change, but. I, I don't know. I just don't see this as being positive. Like part of me thinks it's not going to last. Like part of me thinks this is maybe like a four or five year law and people realize really? it's a mistake. Yeah. I honestly believe that. I honestly believe that. Do you think, do you think they had the same conversation during prohibition of alcohol? 
of like, oh, it's gonna be it's gonna be reversed in a couple of years anyways, no big deal. When they made it illegal. And then made it legal, like during the point of when they made it legal again after prohibition happened. Do I think they had the same conversation? Of like, oh, in five years it's gonna be illegal again. It won't last. Mm. I don't know. I think that's that's a different situation, right? Because it was legal to begin with, and then they took it away. I think that's a different stance because now you're taking something away that people are used to, used to having. But as a society, we've never been used to having this. So what you're saying is it's going to be legal and then we're going to have the weed prohibition and then it's going to be legal again. Yeah. No, I'm not saying that. I don't think I'm saying we're going to get like I'm saying I don't think it's going to last. I think the laws are going to change and it'll be illegal. again. So what are your... Like outside of the the deviance and like some like people are gonna go and do something else. I'm what really is driving your belief that it shouldn't well, become legalized. So what's the minimum age you need to be? Twenty one? Uh depends on the yeah. province, I believe. Is it, is it the same it's as the drinking age? In between nineteen and twenty one, yeah, it's not it's not below nineteen, I don't believe. Okay, so Hold already on. we know that anybody under 25 who smokes weed is putting themselves at risk for brain damage because their brain isn't fully developed. We know Same that's with drinking. True. Same with drinking. Right. Okay, right. Like, I'm not a fan of drinking either, so. No, no, I, I know. I just, <laughs> but for consistency's sake and right. for other things that have been decriminalized or have. Right, like, okay, but, but, I think but that's there comes that argument again. Like, just because it's legal with alcohol doesn't make. Like just because it's like just because alcohol is legal, doesn't make it okay that marijuana should be legal. Like that to okay. me is not a good argument. That's fine. I won't. We won't get into that. Right. So, like that being one thing. Um. The second thing being, we don't know the burden it could have on society. With like, who knows if you can if you can smoke inside. Right or I don't know what the rules are going to be. If you can smoke inside, or if you can smoke in designated areas like smoking areas, right? Like, what does it mean for decision making when people are out in the streets? What does it mean for university campuses when people go to class? What does it mean for uh, school neighborhoods? Right? Like, generally speaking, you can't be. Can you be publicly intoxicated? Oh, it, I mean, it depends. If you're being like, belligerent, then no. But can you be drunk in public? Technically, yes. yes. Right, but there's a fine line between being drunk and being belligerent. Because your decision-making is compromised. Right? So now sure. it's another activity that people can engage in legally where their decision-making in a public setting is compromised. And that can pose a lot of risks. Yeah, like I'm not going to argue with okay. that statement. Right, so now we're talking about an activity which is going to be accessible to a lot of people. Could be endangering them in ways that we don't even know. Because part of the problem is we haven't done enough research to understand all the negative health effects of marijuana. Because but it hasn't been legal for people to do research. Well, the... I will have to push back a little bit on that. There has been research over like the last 25, 30 years. 
Yeah, only a little bit. And looking at worldwide, there's been there's been a decent amount done. What is relatively unknown um, is the long term impacts of consuming via inhalation. I mean, we can all have a pretty good idea of what that does to somebody's lungs. Similar to smoking, little less bad, but still pretty bad just based off of you're inhaling smoke, but you're not inhaling as many chemicals as you are with tobacco. Mm-hmm. However, there are many studies out there showing positive effects on people's well-being. Um, I, I work with a couple individuals who do use it on the regular basis, and it helps them function and with their anxiety and, and doing the yes, and it is self-medicating, and I do get that. But at the end of the day, there are a lot of positive health effects if consumed properly. Right. But that's not like consuming properly is not recreational use. Those are two different things. Depends. I think that's really subjective to the person similarly to our previous discussion. Yeah, that's uh, like there's a potential. Maybe. So then I. My question then goes to. From a government perspective, do you think it's the government government's job to tell us what's right and what's wrong for us and what we can and can't do or to give us the tools and education to make a decision but leave us as individuals freely to make a decision if it's only impacting, for the majority of the, the sake, potentially only your health? Right. Or, well, okay. But I mean, by that logic, you could say you could take away all laws and you could just assume people know how to make the right decisions. Uh, Which I, I, I think like that just, went a little bit overboard. Well, but, but what you're saying, like you're saying is theoretically speaking, like the government should educate its citizens on the positive and negative effects of everything. No, it's a, it's a question that I'm posing of where is the balance between regulating everything? And as we've seen in the United States, regulation doesn't mean educational regulation. It just means Control there are rules substance. in place that you can't break. And here is Big Brother watching you and telling you what you can and can't do versus here is education. Here is information. Make your decisions freely. And to an extent, of course, not here's a bunch of guns. Hopefully you don't kill each other. But yeah, I, I, to it, it, here, you can smoke a little bit of this. This is going to make you laugh a little bit. You know, worse comes to worse, you're probably going to pass out. Um, and here are some of the negative health effects of, you know, your brain can be impacted and your developmental state can be it. it uh hindered if you consume below 25 it might even be higher in age once we do more research but educating people and allowing them to say like feel free because i can tell you right now from growing up that it was way easier for my friends and i didn't i didn't smoke cannabis like until way later in my life but i knew friends that could get it quicker than they could a bottle of booze or a, a beer they could get access cannabis a lot quicker because it wasn't controlled Right. And there was it wasn't being regulated. Yeah. So what? Well, 
I think it's just important to... So what you're saying is now that it's regulated, like, it's like underage drinking. If you're 16 and you want to drink, you just have to get somebody who's of age to buy alcohol for it. So it's Which is illegal, for... but yeah. Yeah, but, but it happens everywhere anyways. Like, I don't think you could talk to any high school kid in Canada and... They, like, there's no high school kid in Canada. I, I would, I would wager a bet, unless it's like a private boarding school where they're closed off to the community, where there isn't underage drinking. That I, I'm not going to debate that argument. Right. So then you're talking about the same thing happening, right? Like you can also make the argument to say that it's more accessible now to get marijuana to younger people of a younger age no i'm i'm arguing against it because it's controlled and you have to go through a regulatory body in order to purchase it unlike very similarly where when it's currently right now is illegal and it was when i was in high school it was easier to find a dealer on the corner of the street or from your buddy and so and so a kilometer away from school to buy a, a gram of cannabis Compared to asking and finding somebody to purchase alcohol for you. Yeah, yeah but yes, those, same people, those same people who are giving out marijuana are the same people who could buy you alcohol. You're just not asking for alcohol. You're asking for marijuana. I don't. I, I just like, disagree. Like no 17-year-old is growing marijuana. Like they're getting it from an adult who's of age. More than likely they're getting it for an adult who has time to grow and deal cool. Correct. So if they wanted to deal in alcohol, they could just as easily deal in alcohol. It's a little different. Because people aren't making their own beer for the most part that tastes good at Well, home. I know, but what's what's to stop me from going to the liquor store, buying 50 cases of beer, keeping them at home, and then just like divvying those up? Halloween's coming up. It's that it's <laughs> legal to sell to minors. Yeah, I understand and that, there's... but it was illegal to sell weed. <laughs> I think we're coming from two different points of this argument. No, I'm saying that if, if your friends could go to a dealer and get weed, right? Yes. They could go to that same dealer and get alcohol. Yeah, I'm, okay. I'm not disagreeing that with process, that. Right. So I'm that saying that the access, the, and the access to this, the products... Are completely different when it's regulated compared to when it's not the access and the transportation um, and the regulation of each one of those things is completely different because when you can only go to the beer store the LCBO in Ontario to buy alcohol it limits the amount of alcohol that's available for people to consume whether you're a minor or of legal drinking age very similarly will be the thing with marijuana you can homebrew legally and you can home and you can home grow with cannabis legally with this new law but it will restrict the and it will limit the amount of corner um people who are able to buy in bulk and then sell your quote-unquote dealers because nobody has to go to them anymore there's no market for them if you can buy it over the counter Right. So, okay. So that goes back to my, to my other point, right? Like, so I don't need to buy a, a, an ounce or a pound or anything to, to do my business. I can go and get what I need for my personal use for tonight. And I'm not going to have, or I need the next three nights or the next week, 
but I'm not going to have any extra like, and that I need to push on profit to get rid of it. You're purchasing it for yourself or for your friends. Very similarly to alcohol when that happens. Yeah. And, and I understand that all I'm saying is that if, those same people who were dealing marijuana wanted to deal alcohol. It would like, it would have been basically the same thing. But then like, I guess it, it seems like an extreme argument back, but like, let's get rid of cars because a six, a 16 year old without a license can jump in a car because their parents have the keys to it and drive around. Like, so let's not have cars. Well, it's legal. And, okay. So let's <laughs> not have it at 12 years old and nobody above 12 can, their parents can have cars or under 12, right? Like, there's only a certain point, I think, where you can provide guidance and have legal restrictions to have a proper and effective free thinking society compared to telling people what they can and can't do and having the government having full control of what I thought is like, this is literally 1984 mm-hmm. is yeah, like I, we should have control yeah, I, and telling us I what to do and what is that, illegal or not. I agree with that theory as a broad theory, right? In terms of, yes, should the government be restricting all of our movements? Do I need an okay to say what's legal and what's not legal for everything I do? No, probably not. Like, as a rational being, I should have autonomous thoughts. I should be able to decide, you know, like I should be able to drive whenever I want as long as I'm following mm-hmm. right certain laws. And that's where I think the boundary comes in, right? Like you can't drive whatever speed you want on the road, but you can drive at whatever time of the day you want. Right up into a certain speed. If it's a red light, you have depends. to stop. If it's a green light, you can go. Like I understand depends there's certain controls. Well, okay, but I mean, <laughs> right? Like, like Germany and Germany's driving on the autobahn is like pretty darn effective with no speed limit, and it like traffic jams and all of that are reduced. Accidents are actually reduced on the autobahn. Like there is an argument for that as well, <laughs> and I'm not just dis- like I'm in not disagreeing with you with our current laws around that. But I think there's always two sides of every coin and there's always goods and bads to everything. And I, for sure, I think you're for n- sure. I think the struggle that we're having here is applying some sort of relatable context that we can relate how weed will impact our society. And I think the only answer that we can really agree on is we don't for sure know yet. And that's yeah, why it's that's so true. interesting. I'm gonna, I'm going to be honest that I I will bet $100 that within a month, you won't see a difference compared to current day from a month from now. Because the people who are already smoking are going to continue smoking. The people who don't want to smoke aren't going to smoke. And the people who want to try are going to do so in the comfort of their own homes. And you won't have any clue what happens. Oh, don't you remember? Brandon's police dog knows. He's going to know. I know. Okay, close your windows, people, so that Brandon doesn't smell your weed. But, like, all of a sudden, we're not just going to have a society that, like, is popping up and smoking and, like, being delinquents and degenerates in society. Like, if if they are those people, they're already doing it. Yeah, but, I, like... They're already doing it. Like, it's the same with alcohol. The people who are going to get like that are already doing it or they will be doing it in a couple years. And the people who don't, which are the majority of people, 
can handle themselves pretty decently. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree. But like, we're not talking about the majority of people. We're talking about the small percentage of people who are going to ruin it for everybody else. But as a government, do you not have to make decisions for what's best for the majority and not the minority? Depends on your philosophy. Okay. Like for the betterment of society, for striving towards a good, cohesive, free-thinking society, does it not make sense to achieve and make decisions what's going to be the benefit for the majority in cases of free thought and free will? Not in cases of racism and discrimination and disenfranchisement. I'm not going down that road. I'm going from a free thought, free thinking, a... Um, society based around laws yes we all agree libertarianism is the preferred form of political government <laughs> I, I want to hear brandon but... answer <laughs> like i'm going to give you an answer that says that's relative to the current times what would you guys most okay. like to do hi <laughs> do your do your pizza topping flavors change when you're high no, oh, they don't matter. When, they don't matter. <laughs> I can tell you right now, they don't matter. So Christina was upset because when we had Adam Birch on, we asked him, or we said, uh, I think I said, we ask every guest that comes on with their favorite three-topping oh, pizza. Oh, we didn't ask her. And, and Christina was so upset, but I was like, you know, I'm sorry. We were just super interested in what you and Ben had to say about your housing stories. But like now thinking back at it, I don't know. Do we really even need to ask? Like, it's cheese, cheese, stuffed crust. <laughs> you know what Make I mean? <laughs> and see if it's wrong. Like, am I wrong? Like, I don't, I don't know. Triple cheese hope, and stuffed crust? I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I hope you're not wrong for your <laughs> sake. That's okay. She won't listen to this far anyway, so it's okay. <laughs> so the fun fact about, like, eating, then this is where some scientific evidence come into, into play when you consume cannabis. Um it actually uh, takes away certain chemicals in your body so that you can't taste food as thoroughly as you normally would. And also your um, threshold for eating, I'm losing my train of words here, but essentially like your brain's indicator of being like, I'm full mm -hmm. um, is minimized. And that's why people refer to it as the munchies because it doesn't actually make you hungry to the extent of like, I need to overeat. It makes you thirsty and hungry, but then you, your brain isn't able to tell yourself like to stop when exactly you're full and like your normal full is. And then that's where kind of the stereotypical stoner munchies comes into play is from uh, the chemical imbalance that it creates. That's Fun cool. Fact. I didn't know that. So really what we're saying is we should start in lacing weed into like super heavy salads or like a vegetable <laughs> so, medley. So, so you can just muck a bunch of romaine. Yeah, wow. and you have no idea what's going on. Dan already does that. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe he's lacing it at home. Yeah, some health foods. Just get everyone totally smashed on your bean salad or something. <laughs> <laughs> Here's yeah. another fun fact because I'm all mm -hmm. about them. And Brandon, it might be something that you're going to have to correct your language on is marijuana is a discriminatory derogatory. Term. Um, derogatory I noticed, I noticed that you were using racism. cannabis. Yeah. So um, 
marijuana and I, I don't have dates exactly, but when the U S was having a lot of, um, immigration from the South, um, especially in, I believe it was Mexico, uh, they were consuming, like the, the immigrants were consuming cannabis and they referred to it as like, I can't even do the, the proper enunciation of it, but it was like marijuana. Like that's how they were saying it in, um, or enunciating it from their own language. And so when the U S government, I believe it was the Nixon government. Yeah. Sounds about um, right. Yeah. <laughs> was, uh, they were doing their whole anti-immigration, um, blasting. They went on and used, changed the way that it was enunciated to basically mock the immigrants within the United States, um, about the way that they enunciate their words and used it as a um, disenfranchisement tactic to basically be like, we need to get rid of all of these immigrants because they're doing X, Y, Z. We need to close our borders. We need to just keep make, basically make America great again because it's, it's this drug that's bringing everybody down. Look at these low lives. They don't have jobs and it's because they smoke marijuana. Right. Um, and really flip the script. Meanwhile, at that time, like the immig- the immigrants similarly today aren't weren't making premium dollars so they weren't thriving in the american con- economy but they were statistically some of the hardest working people within the united states from a from an hours of work perspective um so it, it's very interesting to see the history of how the original marijuana was turned into a basically a term almost like it would I wouldn't I don't know if I would go as far as racism because I'm not as educated on this topic as I probably could be to be able to use that word um, and have its meaning but definitely from a disenfranchisement and derogatory perspective um, it, it, the meaning behind it got changed that's fascinating see and like so that I why, didn't even know that's why a lot of governments in their policies are now from a medical um, perspective we're now getting especially in the western world people are referring it to medical cannabis and cannabis legalization um, to get away from that history um, to kind of change get away from that era of the united states of how they changed the way that what marijuana was yeah i appreciate that thanks for letting me know because i uh had no idea and uh, kind of highlights a microaggression, which I I want to get into a little bit later. But yeah, um, that's good to know. I always thought that it was like that was the not the medical term, but I always thought like that was the the actual word, like what it was actually it's called. Common, and I th- like I labels. thought that came from yeah, like I thought that came from dare. Like that's um, like I thought that was the word we were supposed to use. But I mean, that was so long ago that we did dare, but. Uh, Mm-hmm. Well, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely use cannabis from now on. Yeah, because yeah, like, it's getting legalized it's tomorrow. Of... Ah! <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's also one of those words that, um, because of its rich history, but a lot of like unknown history, not a lot of people in society are going to walk around and be like, "You're being racist." Like, you are disenfranchising this group of people. Right. But at the same time, like. The more that you can educate and eliminate those that type of language or even specific words from your vocabulary, like the more 
supportive we can be as a community, I think. For sure. Yeah, so. for sure. I think that's a great point. Um, yeah, something we should definitely... Like, I think these are the types of conversations that we need to be having about this. And, like, I don't know, on the whole topic, obviously I don't like it. I don't have a very good argument to say why I don't like it, other than the fact that probably I've been brainwashed to say that it's bad. And that's kind of the stance that I take. And I think um, that's fair as long as you reflect on that. You can still have that stance, but you can say this is where it has come for sure. from. Of like, you know, whether it's my parents or my grandparents or family members or education system, like... As long as you acknowledge where your thoughts come from, I think it's a lot easier for people to respect your opinion. For sure. For sure. Yeah. To say that I don't like it because I don't like it isn't a, isn't a very good argument. And I understand correct. that. Um, so real question, and correct me if I'm wrong, you haven't had a drink of alcohol yet to present day? Like sips of, uh, well, sips of sips champagne. Of, okay. But like Weddings. a consumption of a beer. No. What if no you actually have to choose either or would you um and you don't actually have to do this would you consume cannabis or would you consume alcohol which one would you consume at some point in your life over the other one alcohol and why because it's not the devil's lettuce because it doesn't smell (laughs) (laughs) you smell it coming up (laughs) yeah that's legit yeah that's that's probably my biggest thing and like i don't know i just uh not a huge fan of getting smoke in my lungs fair mm-hmm. i mean i understand yeah. you can you can put it into other things and eat it you can put um, it in your butt yeah you can, I do, guess you can do that too and then do weed hey um <laughs> do you guys think that you like you could actually get yourself to like just eat more food like any type of food like insert your favorite food here if you were high eat more I, yeah because i'm not convinced maybe it's just because i've yeah 100 such 100%. little self-control in any state that i have mocked like <laughs> like i can eat a large pizza to myself no problem if i'm hungry yeah. But like potentially I have honestly come close to doubling that in my day. Right. But like I feel like I can do that with you know, without weed, without the performance enhancing drug. <laughs> yeah, I was just gonna say, so like <laughs> when we talk about when we talk about food eating oh, contests, this is like a little segue into uh what we're gonna be doing at the end of the month, but like I don't want you guys to be using PEDs when we have <laughs> no. our chicken wing eating contest. Like <laughs> I just finished the uh, Icarus podcast nice. or uh, movie <laughs> Netflix, on yeah. Netflix. Yeah, so nice. I'm just going to hire my uh, Russian aide and to help me beat the system for this one. Very good. <laughs> and then we're going to have to help him seek asylum. <laughs> we have to go. We have to go now. Um... <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So an interesting piece with kind of um, some public institutions, and when I say public institutions, I'm referring to universities, different adoption of cannabis acceptance or not acceptance on the campus. Waterloo actually just released their policy today. They were very proactive, um, releasing it less than 24 hours before. Shout out to Innovation. Yeah. Um, 
they have initially, and this was the gossip on the street, they were going to allow it to be consumed anywhere where cigarettes were consumed on campus. Alternatively, when they released their policy that was approved today, it is not allowed on campus at all. It is prohibited on campus. Well, the University of British Columbia is allowing it to be consumed wherever um, you're allowed to smoke cigarettes. So as long as you're not within 10 meters of a building, um, you're not in public parks with kids, you're not in your car with kids with Mm -hmm. you, um, things like that. And obviously you're not being impaired when you're not supposed to be impaired, but uh, it just, they're very polarizing views from educational institutions. Which I Man. think can be compared apples to apples too. Yeah, I would be so like I'm so happy I'm finished my undergrad because, man, like I get upset when people are just messing around in class as it is. <laughs> but you get people, you get people who are high going to lecture, and like it's a boring lecture. <sighs> They're sleeping. Yeah, that that bothers. And they already are. Brandon, though um that that bugs me like go sleep really? at home like don't come to class why do you oh look, I you need so to read upset. the book the subtle art of not giving a fuck like honestly yeah, that is one that is one fuck that you don't need to give you do not need to give a shit about that <laughs> it's but I bad care, for like, your health man uh, i care about the <laughs> professor like like it's such disrespect yeah I, to come to class and sleep in front of your professor like, like, show some respect. Like, that's, it's just like, that was one of my edge of the bed advices. Like, have respect for other people and other people in your environment. Like, if you want to sleep, go sleep at home in your own space. Like, oh, it drives me nuts. Or like, that's what I'm worried about is is people's decision making being compromised and it having a lot of ill effects in in day to day interactions. The that's only thing. About that I want to unpack during that statement is you have never walked a mile in somebody else's shoes. So you don't know why they're sleeping in class or you don't know why that they're doing a behavior. Yes, I agree. When you are disrespectful, to the point of being rude, that's like, that's where the respect factor comes in. But like very well, it could be a single mom who is looking after her kid and like, Yes, there's probably there there statistically isn't a lot of single moms looking after young children who are able to go to university due to many restraints, but it could be somebody's mom was sick or they're looking after a family member or they had to work a double the night before to pay for the rent or like I think there's just a lot there to automatically jump to the conclusion that they're purposely disrespecting somebody else when their intentions to show up for class and to you know, and to learn and to get an education were inherently good and they've just faced other barriers and obstacles along the way. Oh, uh, it's yeah, good to 100% voice that. agree. And like Pardon? Yeah. No, I was just saying it's like it's good to voice that. I think it, just to reel it back in, you know, and and the scope of, you know, whether marijuana should be on campus or not. I think that's where oh, no, that where for that sure. statement from Brandon But that's was what I would from. caution the I totally agree, and I didn't mean it in any no, 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 attacking no, no. way in any shape or form. It was more so like, you know, just be. I hope that people aren't just assuming now in society, like, oh, this person must be stoned, because they're not acting the way that I deem as appropriate, or that we as a society have deemed as appropriate. No, definitely right. I think there's also a fine line to always be 
giving ourselves those those checkpoints. Definitely, not. Brandon would smell it. Um, I think for me, <laughs> I think for me, I, I'm I'm up on not having weed on campus. But the only reason that is, and like I have the same stance with cigarettes and, and stuff. Um, for me, it's just mostly the the smoke side of things. Um, so to have a smoke free mm-hmm. campus, that's something that's appealing to me. Um, as someone who's a, a community member of a post-secondary institution, um, it makes me, you know, more optimistic just about coming to work and, and being in that space. If I know I don't have to go through any smoke, um, sort of simple as that, mm-hmm. like it, I, I have no problem with, um, you know, consuming cannabis really in, in any form, but, um, in the public setting, when you know secondhand smoke is a thing that's that's sort of i guess my line if i have to draw a line somewhere yeah and i think i was super impartial about the policy when it was coming out i i don't think that either way solves all of your problems of whether Mm -hmm. banning it on like campus or not or banning it in public spaces or not i think there's pros and cons to both um, and people are just going to do it regardless. Like there are people who smoke cannabis on campus already. Like they're just going to continue to do it. Um, and that's life. Like they're making that decision themselves and they'll face the consequences someday. But I do agree that striving to be a smoke-free campus from a university perspective is a great idea considering how many buildings on campus, AKA Waterloo and UBC actually, cause I've been to their campus are more than 10 meters apart. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> you, like even doors, for example, like they're not 10 meters. Like they're all pretty relative within the 10 to 20 meter mark. Like, and if you're smoking a cigarette, it's going in the building. Same as if you're smoking cannabis, mm-hmm. it's going in the building. If you're doing it that close, that's where I agree that, you know, smoke free is probably the best way to go. Yeah. Brandon. Um, sorry, Brandon. I know uh, you wanted to share a story with, everyone um and i'm sort of excited to hear it are you you uh ready to give it a go yeah yeah let's let's switch gears um you know what i before we do i'm like i'm happy we had this conversation because it's like brian i think you made a really good point it's like myself included but i think everyone needs to have time to reflect about their own position on things whether it be marijuana or um, whatever, right? Like, I think we need to reflect on why we feel a certain way about certain things mm-hmm. and it's unpacking it. Right. Right. And not taking that position for granted. Like I'm realizing as I'm saying things that a lot of what I said in terms of disagreeing with it being legalized really goes against a lot of the things that I believe in. Like one of the things I, I wholeheartedly believe is that if it doesn't affect you, why are you worried about it? Right. And in this case, if like, just cause it's legal, how does it really affect my life? Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't really affect my life, then I shouldn't really be worried about it. And that's true. And that's something that, again, I like, I need to reflect on and say, you know, is this really going to affect my life? And should I really be that concerned about it? I can still make my own choice whether or not to engage. Um, and that should be good enough. So I appreciate having the conversation. I appreciate you bringing that up because I think it's something that people and should I, be. And I think the, 
the opposite is also true that those who do like consume cannabis or do whatever they want to do, you need to be mindful of the people that you're doing it around so that you are cognizant of your environment and making a decision that is impacting the least amount of people as possible to be considerate and like a decent human. Right. And the only last piece that I'd add, like from this closing of this segment would be like people who are listening, don't be stupid. If you're going to get high or to smoke cannabis, don't drive your cars. Don't go to work stoned. Like be smart about it. It's the same with alcohol. Like be smart when you're consuming it. Don't jeopardize anybody else's safety or even your own safety because you needed to go somewhere as stupid as like pizza pizza or McDonald's or, or something as urgent as going to the hospital. Like there are so many resources available to you. Use them. Don't make decisions that are going to negatively impact other people. Yeah. I think that's a, that's a great, great way to end it. Um, Okay. So I'm going to paint, this is like a kind of big shift in, in gear. So I'm going to get you to clear your minds and I'm going to paint a mental picture for you as best I can. So I'm leaving, this is a couple days ago now, probably about a week and a half ago. And I'm leaving one of my buildings on campus. And we walk down a very, very, very long um, ramp out of the building. So it's a university campus. It's a university building. So it's this massive concrete ramp, probably, you know, 100 meters in length and then probably 10 meters in width, you know, to to accommodate a lot of people. Mm -hmm. And... You know, we know the ramp is there for accessibility purposes. So I'm leaving the campus and I'm or leaving the building and I'm walking down this ramp. And on my left is a gentleman living with a wheelchair. And on my right is a student. Um, and as I'm walking down, these two individuals are coming towards me. And the individual uh, with the wheelchair goes over towards the hand railing. And he has one hand on the railing and he has one hand on his on his inside wheel and he's moving himself up the ramp and I see the student look over and look up and and I knew in that moment exactly what was going to happen and I can and I know exactly where the student was coming from so he must have like he must have thought in his mind that he was going to be doing such a great thing so he walks over and he asks the the gentleman if he can help him up and instantly the gentleman snaps at him and says no i'm good and he yells at him so the student walks off head down kind of demoralized and we were talking a couple weeks ago about this concept of a microaggression and how there are certain things that we do every day in our interactions where we think they're good and we have great intent in our actions but in fact the opposite is actually happening so for instance in this example this student like be honest with yourself how often do people in today's society go out of their way to help another individual like i bet you would say it's pretty rare like if somebody holds the door open for you like that's that's huge that's a right? hell of a day oh that's crazy like for somebody to go and do that they've done a great <laughs> deed your fist bumping the whole way back to work right like if if somebody for somebody to go out of their way and ask somebody else a complete stranger if they can help them like forget about the scenario but just going out of your way to ask if you can help somebody how often do you see that never Mm -hmm. 
right? How often have you done that? You know, probably pretty rarely, right? I think a lot of times people just see it and then they walk on by. Not my problem. I'm not going to do anything about it. But in this in this scenario, what this student is doing is by asking if that person needs help, is they're saying you don't look completely able to do this task by yourself. Yep. Mm-hmm. Or I shouldn't say that that's what it that's what it means. That's how it can be perceived. Mm-hmm. And it's belittling. And for somebody who has this happen to them, I don't know what that person's life is like. I didn't watch them for the rest of the day. But on a general basis, if that person has that happen to them over and over and over again, multiple times a day for their entire life, right? They can start to doubt themselves. Like, man, people are really asking all the time if I need help. They must think that I'm incapable of doing this. Like, that's aggravating. Of course I'm capable. Mm -hmm. And I think, like, that's a mistake that anybody could have made. And, like, I I think about this student. I'm like, man, like, he really thought he was going to be doing something good today. With all his moral fibers in his body, like it took him a lot of courage to get up and ask somebody if they needed help. And he thought he was doing the right thing, but in reality, you know, he was causing a microaggression. And I think it it's important for, like I, the reason I wanted to have this conversation is because, again, it's like one of those things where we really need to think about the unintended consequences of, of our actions on an everyday basis. Mm-hmm. Right, especially in, in 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 interacting with with other people who we don't know. Right, and you can extrapolate this example. I was having this conversation with with some other people, and they were kind of relating the example to um, somebody struggling, or you could say, like, in in general, like this concept of chivalry. Right, where. Society has deemed that, and this doesn't really happen as much today, but men need to be chivalrous, and that means helping women with certain things. So if a lady is struggling mm-hmm. to carry something or groceries or whatever, that as a gentleman, you're supposed to walk over and offer help. But in fact, you're doing the exact same thing. By offering to help, you're saying that you don't look capable of doing this task on your own, and it can be perceived mm-hmm. as belittled. Mm-hmm. But I think that's just something that a lot of people don't even realize they're doing um, when they have those interactions. And I'm, and it kind of goes back to that whole reflection thing of we just need to reflect and think about the you know consequences of the things that we're doing, even though they're unintended. And you could turn around and say, Brandon, like, my intentions were good, therefore my action was good. But that's that's not always the case. Right, just because you think one thing is good, you know, in reality, it could be doing something, something really, really bad. I don't know. What are your guys' thoughts on that? I just wanted to share that story because I think it, it's such a rare example, but I think it happens all the time in our everyday interactions. And that student probably left wondering, like, wow, that guy's a jerk. You know, like I offered to help, and he said no, and he yelled at me. Right, and I, I think it just paints a poor picture of what actually happened. Yeah, I'd agree. Um, like with the, with your last statement there, I mean, I think it's interesting just like in terms of the perception of, you know, wrongdoing, I'll say, or um, breaking the law, being evil, 
in general <laughs> i'll generalize to it i'm not extrapolate like i'm not saying that that's what that guy was in this story but i think for people who the majority of people might label as like evil or wrongdoing they feel the majority of the time completely justified in their decisions and so for this this is just a a really small like you say like a microaggression of that they they that person just thought that they were doing the right thing you know they were being great they were being useful they were making use of themselves in that context but at the end of the day that person the other person in the scenario didn't feel that way and you know the the audience or, or listenership might be split on it they might all agree um in terms of the actions there but i think it's really interesting to think of it from the perspective of you know well usually when people do something wrong they feel like they're making the right decision in general yeah brian what are your what are your thoughts do you disagree with me completely do you think like people should just have an open understanding like it should be both ways where the individual who got upset should say oh you know what i should be able to realize this and say his intentions were good therefore i shouldn't be upset or like what do you think yeah i think i'm really torn because i'm trying to put myself into somebody else's shoes who made like the biggest thing is like from a physical ability perspective um, where uh, like people in humans as a, as a society, we kind of want to jump in and help people who physically aren't capable to do things um, so, okay. or, perceive, or perceived that they can't do things. Right. Okay. Sorry. That's, yeah, That's a better way to say it, is perceived that they can't do things. Um, and the difference between, I think, microaggressions all comes down to the intent right of and even or even offending somebody or kind of even being out of place is instead of that person just going and helping um that individual right off the bat they asked and they asked politely and they got a no and they moved along um and that's where i think the balance need to be needs to be struck of as a society we're very or we're it's not often that we offer our help to people so that it, it seems like the only time that we do is when somebody's not able to do something right whereas we really should be changing this around to be more along the lines of like ask for help more often with other people and not just based off of potentially what you see but even if you are assuming something you need to double check with that person if they actually need help or um, don't assume that they just do and like jump in. And that was something that I learned from the therapeutic recreation classes that I took, um, which was all kind of like about the respecting boundaries and the consent and like respecting the fact that your your perception is your perception and you're going to need to deal with that and wrestle it with it on an ongoing basis and check it and make sure that, you know, it, it really is as close to reality as possible. But at the same time, your perception might not be somebody else's reality. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Um, I, I, I agree with you that there needs to be balance, but on the same side, I, I almost disagree because I think the times that, like you mentioned, the times that people are being asked for help are mm-hmm. the communities who are already marginalized and therefore mm-hmm. they're like, I might ask once in a year and you might be asked 400 times. Yep. So while there's balance, while there should be balance, yes, I agree. But at the same time, like this doesn't always apply to every situation, right? Like I think it's really a problem when it's marginalized communities. Um, and therefore it's, it's almost impossible to have balance because you get to this point where it's like, I feel like I'm doing like, like if, if it was you, you'd feel like I'm, I'm doing way more compromising in this scenario than the rest of society is. But then where does, we just, I think we're in a really interesting point right now, especially in Ontario slash Canada as an educated population about like the awareness for mental health. And the fact that when somebody says that they don't need help doesn't doesn't necessarily always mean that they don't need help or like they're not willing to come and acknowledge that they may need assistance from their friends or that they're not doing well today, that we're encouraged to have those checks and balances more often than not. Um, and I guess what I'm trying to get at is where can we draw the line? And obviously it will never be a hard line in the sand of doing so for somebody's mental health and trying to get better at that but then reducing potentially when we see what sign what what is a perception of a human struggle from a physical perspective to not offer our help or our assistance yeah for sure and i think you're right like there is no solid line in the sand and it's a super super messy area but on the flip side of the coin if you're asked 50 60 times a day how you're doing like i would get pretty annoyed like, I think if everybody was asking me how I'm doing in terms of my mental health and mental well-being, I'd be upset. Like, I'd be like, why is everyone asking me this? I think people do or, or kind of sort of intend to do, but we just have a perception of it's something different of like, hey, how are you doing today? How are things going? How was your day? Nine times out of ten, regardless if it was good or not, it's, yep, the common white man saying is, oh, live in the dream, another day in paradise. Like, and I'm guilty of it, even though it was the worst day you've ever had. (laughs) University white people. (laughs) Any any trade worker, any white trade worker, Um, another day in paradise. You're like, what the hell? It's interesting you would say that. What? As a white male? Yeah. I do say it. Yeah, I. Yeah, I. Right, it's so hard, and I'm not saying one way or another is right. No, I agree. It's messy, and that's the thing. It's messy, but I think at the end of the day, like, we just need to think and reflect a little bit. I totally agree, and the difficulty that we will always have is very similarly to asking somebody how their day is. Somebody can quickly snap on you for asking that and somebody can also have a genuine conversation or response back for so sure. um everyone's instances and interactions will be will vary so much that 
I really don't know if there's a right answer to this one. If I was in that person's shoes, I would definitely offer if I could help them. I agree. I mean, I well, offer to help pick things up from like, like when somebody drops something as I'm walking by, I bend down to pick it up and like offer to pick it up regardless of whether they're physically capable or not or perceived to be. Yeah, I would say it's all just case by case. It's such a it's blur. case by case. It is. Right, but but yeah, see like, and that's the thing, like how do you, I think, a, yeah, I'm stumbling over my words because I think it's a really, really difficult topic to talk about. And I think, Graham, you're right. Like it's so case by case when I think people would really like a rule um, because it just makes our everyday decisions so much easier. Rules, man. Type A. Too well, many rules. But I think like, <laughs> like we need rules to guide decision-making. Without yep. rules, like, If we didn't chaos. have rules to guide decision-making, well, no, I just think... I'm being dramatic. Well, I, mean, I agree. Yeah, you I call agree. It the of chaos, no, no, like, I'm, I'm being silly. Right, and morals without, and values are rules. Yeah, and without values and morals and ethics and caring for other people, then you know people would just do the first thing that came into their mind without reflection and without cause for yeah for consequence. My. M- at least personally, and I very well could be way off on this um, because I haven't had, I haven't taken a poll or looked at any research to back this up. But I would much rather continuously, when I say continuously, throughout the rest of my life, ask people if they need assistance instead of one of two other things happening. One is I never asked and they actually did need help and they just weren't willing to reach out. Or two, um, they didn't need help at all, but at least I offered. And even if I was the, the 30th or 40th person to offer that day, I would still probably offer again, unless I overheard somebody else offer and be like, Brandon asked Graham today, do you need help with this? And Graham was like, no. Then I'd be like, Graham, do you need help with this? That's annoying. But I think I would be much more satisfied with myself as a person and being able to sleep more soundly if I'm asking people if they need help as opposed to not. Right, but what I don't if, know if that's very selfish. Well, I don't know. I, I think you, it's just ignoring the other side of the conversation because what if by every time you ask, like you're actually inflicting pain, pain. to somebody else? And mm-hmm. you can say, wow, I asked 40 people today. I feel great because I asked, I went out of my way to ask 40 different people when in reality you inflicted pain upon 40 different people. Mm-hmm. Like I think that changes the entire perception of, of how you see the day going. Oh, I agree. I agree one one thousand percent. Right. So I don't think it's as I like. I agree. I think when when we offer to do good things, like we think of ourselves as being virtuous. But the flip side of the coin is that there are so many other unintended consequences that happen out of that. You know, and which could negatively affect other people's lives. And if we don't yeah. consider those things, then we're gonna think we're all high and mighty. When in reality, we were a mean person. I like the rule of thumb of asking instead of assuming. Because there are a lot of people who will just jump in and help that person, like you described. Um, who will just go and do. As opposed to asking to see if somebody needs. And I think 
from my experiences, it's more often than not that people will be appreciative of you asking if they can help or you asking if you can, you can give them a hand walking down the stairs. And that's, that is from my own experiences and definitely doesn't speak for everybody, but at least you're asking for that permission and consent as opposed to just assuming like even further assuming and saying that like you're better than them because you are perceived to be more able body or to be more able to doing a certain task than the other person. Yeah. But I, I, I agree. I don't, I, I very well could be, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that's my perception of it and how I would move forward. But I very well could be ruining the 40 people's days. And if that's the case, like I'll feel like crap for it. I right. won't be happy and be like, oh, it's their fault because I asked and they said no and like I ruined but, their day. But how like, would Shit, you, I'm but very the, sorry. I didn't mean to do that. But the thing is, how do you know? I right, right. Unless they don't. unless they turn around and say screw off, piss off. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, if somebody asks for help, I think help them. If you at that point, if somebody asks you for help and you say no. And you have no good reason of saying no, then mm-hmm. like, I don't know. We can all at least agree then you're a terrible person. Right. <laughs> but I yeah, I think it's just a super, super messy situation. Glad we were able Anyways, to establish that. The only reason I wanted to bring up that story is because I wanted to highlight the fact that it is that it is messy. And I feel bad because I honestly assumed that this was going to be a funny story when you said, please, guys, don't forget to remind me to tell the story on the podcast. I actually thought it was going to be a funny story that you wanted to share. And now I feel like a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, I don't have a whole lot of funny stories. (laughs) Um, No, I just like I thought it would fit well with the topic of today, like. We talk about we talked about perception earlier, um, and I think this just comes back to perception and the way that that words and offerings and and actions are perceived, right? And I think perception is huge because I might perceive an action one way, and you might perceive an action another way. And even though I have no control of the way you're going to perceive something, I need to be aware of it. Mm-hmm. And whether people agree with that or not. Um, I mean, I guess that's up to you, but I think as a global community, I think we need to be more and more aware of, of other people and and their unique position in the world. That's it. And in part, it, it's having conversations like this to start. Right, and that's and and yeah, and that's partly why I wanted to talk about this. And the eight people who eventually listened this far, um, <laughs> well, well, hopefully it'll provoke a thought. And shout out to Brandon's mom. <laughs> yeah hi, hi mom hi wendy um yeah i mean that's that's it right i just wanted to have a conversation that hopefully will provoke some thought and some thinking and if it changes the way people make a decision about their lives then that's cool and if it doesn't change the decision then that's cool too but um i know it'll change the way that i see things and the way that i do things mm-hmm I think that's a good way to wrap it up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Graham, any, any thoughts on it before we, before we end up? Can't wait till weed is legal. Um, I think <laughs> this conversation has been really cool to highlight 
how a lot of these challenges aren't binary or some simple dichotomy and how it's important to keep reevaluating our actions, our choices on a micro and personal level and also on a countrywide level. For sure. All right, take it away, Brandon. Okay, yeah. Um, so obviously lots of controversial topics. Uh, we talked about eating competitions earlier. So we said we we're going to do a hot dog eating competition, but we're actually going to do a chicken wing. I think that's what we decided on, right? Yeah, the you know the scouting report on it and the quick analysis was that you get diarrhea for a couple of days after <laughs> doing the hot dog. So we uh, we have mission aborted. Pulled pulled an audible. Indeed. So we're going to be doing the sake of our rear ends. Recording. It'll be interesting to see how this goes. But Brian and Graham will basically be competing to see who can eat the most chicken wings, and we'll do that recording on the 28th to release on the 31st, and we'll most likely be doing some sort of charitable effort to go along with that, so I wanted to throw that out there. Um, and yeah, if we provoked any thoughts, and you have any reactions that you wanted to share, you can always email us at that's so interesting pod at gmail.com, and then uh, yeah, get engaged with us on Instagram, at TSI Podcast, and Facebook. Um, or propose to us too. Or propose. I mean, that's a form of engagement for us as well. Uh, we're starting to throw out some facts of the week, so keep an eye for those. And uh, yeah, that's all for us for uh, for this week. If you're into pot, smoke weed. If not, don't smoke weed. And uh, don't drive high. Get out there and play kids. Make good choices.